the latest in agricultural media, and some smart conversation. This is the Ag Communicators Network Podcast. This is Kelsey Litchfield bringing you to another episode rewind on this month's AgCom Network podcast. This week we're going back to an interview I did alongside Holly Spangler in 2019, and our guest was Kelly Lasik about freelancing and what her journey has been like from the obstacles to the victories she's had. Kelly provides great insight into building her freelance business, and I'm excited to rerun this episode this month. But before we get to that interview, I just wanted to share that we will be back soon with new episodes, and we have some exciting announcements coming up with the podcast that I'm excited to share with you. And in case you haven't heard, we are renaming the podcast. Yes, the AgCom Network is searching for a new podcast name, and that challenge has already started, and you must submit your entries by Friday, April 1st. They will be judged by board members and the new podcast name and winner will be announced on Friday, April 8th. So if you submit a podcast name and if you win, you receive a free AgCom Network membership for one year or a refund if you've already renewed your membership. So head on over to agcomnetwork.com. It tells you all everything you need to know about the contest and we look forward to all the exciting things that are coming up with the podcast. So now, without further ado, let's rewind it back to an interview with Kelly Lasik. Welcome to the show, Kelly. Happy to have you on here and with Holly Spangler. I'm excited for a great conversation today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited as well. So let's first start off with probably a very simple question that could be a long answer, and that's okay. If you want to briefly just tell us what's on your resume, what you've done so far in ag communications. So if you look at my resume, you would see that I have been all over the communications area. Um, I have actually, getting my start, I was not in the ag communications world. Okay. Um, I spent, I did, a lot of people will know, um, across the country, you call 811 before you dig. Mm-hmm. And I did, I worked for the Iowa version of that. And I, I guess you could say it still was agriculture because I dealt with a lot of farmers and a lot of tilers on calling 811, especially since Iowa is full of farmland. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you look at my resume, you're going to see that I did free work, that I did um, guest work, everything on my resume isn't necessarily paid. So for example, um, I was asked by Valley Irrigation to do um, kind of, they were guest posts on just farm life, on uh, being a woman in agriculture, et cetera. And I did that for free. And a lot of people were like, Kelly, you can't do this stuff for free. And I replied back, yes, I can. Mm-hmm. Um, getting your name out there is more important than getting paid sometimes. So you will see that I wrote for, um, I did a couple guest posts for the American uh, Farm Bureau Federation. And then 
I've done writing for Growing America, for um, for Progressive Cattlemen, for Progressive Forage, and so on. So you'll see a lot of um, publications I've wrote for, but you'll also see a lot of marketing on there. When people find out that you are a writer, they want you to write more than just publications. They want you to help write website content. They want you to write blogs for them. They want you to do their social media management. Because writing, I have found, is a lost art. And people are excited to find someone who can help them portray the message and say what they want to say and do it in a professional way. So not only is my resume full of publications that I, I write for, but it's also full of marketing uh, businesses that I work for that I help spread their news. And it's mainly doing their writing, writing their newsletters, their email blasts, everything in between. So I, I'm very much diversified on that aspect. <laughs> I was going to say, I agree hundred percent. I've done a lot of free work and people are like, uh, don't you want to get paid for that? I'm like, well, duh, I want to get paid for it. But it's the thing of I'm still young. You just got to put your name out there. Then maybe, hopefully, eventually you will get paid. And Holly, I'm, did you do a lot of free work at, in the start of your career? How did how did that work out for you? Well, my situation was a little different, just in that um, you know I had the job at Prairie Farmer when I graduated from college, so I never freelanced. Um, and then, you know, when my kids were born, I went part-time, I was still on staff. So again, not really freelancing. Um, we've had some different arrangements, you know, with groups like the um, Illinois Farm Families Organization where, you know, they might take something I've already written on Prairie Farmer and share it, you know, through their channels as well, but, but not necessarily, you know, freelance work in that way. But Kelly, I was curious, you, um, you graduated from Iowa State in 2012, is that right? Yes. Okay. And then did you, you basically start your freelance business, your marketing communications business at that point, or did you have a step in there before before you did that? I had a couple steps in between there. <laughs> I actually just started my business full-time last year. Mm -hmm. um, and <clears throat> as you know, from 2012 to 2018, there's a, there's a bit of a gap there. Um, so in between that time, I was working full-time jobs, but I was doing freelance writing on the side. So my weekends and my nights were filled with doing interviews, going and talking to others, and um, and reaching out to editors to see what else I could I could do for them. So it wasn't until last year that I took the leap to go full-time. It wasn't an overnight step, and it sure wasn't done in a year. Um, and that's not to discourage anyone who wants to do that. It's just, it just takes time. And uh, I had a lot of great mentors that were, you know, Kelly used to do this, Kelly do this, be patient, you know, um, and they helped push me towards, towards, towards where I'm at right now. So, I mean, Kelly did, I mean, I'm assuming you had mentors when you first got started or people who helped you and or guided you with your writing. Um, I mean, did you guys, and Kelsey, maybe you have someone in your life like that right now. Do you guys mm -hmm. have mentors that really made an impact with where you are today? Oh, definitely. Yeah, for sure. My first editor, of course, in my job was Mike Wilson. 
who was editor at Prairie Farmer then and now editor at Farm Futures. And he was and was an, and still is an amazing editor of copy, you know, that we'll still send each other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he'll send it back to me better, you know, than, than what it was before he got it. So that's invaluable. And that was one of the most valuable things when I first started too, was to, you know, you know, he, of course he edited all my copy and I did come back, you know, with red marks all over it, like somebody had blood on it. And um, you know, always <laughs> we've all had that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It was always better, you know, and, and he'd do things that I'm like, oh, that makes so much sense. And, you know, pull a section out that I knew didn't really work, but I couldn't figure it out. And he'd make it a sidebar and you're like, well, mm-hmm. there you go. That's, mm-hmm. that feels, that feels pretty obvious now, <laughs> but that's how you learn those things. Right. I feel like having a mentor was one of the most influential parts of mm-hmm being a freelancer like without the help of others to really I mean they're and and fine I always found people that weren't afraid to tell me what I was doing wrong like Mm -hmm. you can never be afraid to hear what you've been doing wrong and I always say even for editors I'm like if you don't tell me what I'm doing wrong I don't know because in my head I'm like oh that looks good but you know if that's not the flow or the tone or or what however you want things to be the tone of of this article in, in your publication, I don't know until you tell me. So I feel like um, mentors are just so incredible. My mentor, and I'll give her a shout out, Colleen Callahan. Sh- I didn't realize I had the potential until a mentor told me, you can do this. Don't doubt yourself. Um, go for it. And I think everyone can relate to that. You don't realize the potential you might have until someone else taps into it and says that you can do it. So, and that gives you the confidence to keep pushing forward. Kelly, I have a question for you on your business. You mentioned that it took a while to build up your business and the time portion of it. Was there anything else that prevented you from starting? I've heard people say, well, I need employees or I don't have health insurance. I can't, I can't build a full-time business because of all these what ifs. Was there anything that you could share with us that you thought was going to prevent you from starting, but you learned it wasn't that big of a deal? So that's a great question because health insurance was the biggest reason for me. Um, Because it's very hard to get health insurance as an individual actually right now. Um, if you do go as an individual, it's either really expensive or the coverage is terrible. And, um, so I actually made my business an LLC because then I could get insurance. Well, and I go through Farm Bureau. So for them, if I was a business, they were more likely to give me insurance and at a better rate. So that is one thing that I did a lot of research on and really looked into. And then also, it's scary, Kelsey. <laughs> it is scary mm-hmm. to go out on your own and not know if you're going to make enough that month to pay all your bills. Mm-hmm. Because as we all know that being a freelancer, you your check isn't consistent. You right. aren't always writing the same amount of articles each month. You're not doing the same amount of hours each month. So that was a very scary situation for me and it wasn't until I got a push from family and friends and the one quote that I will never forget is someone said to me Kelly why aren't 
you doing something you're passionate about. At this time, I was working at a car dealership, and I was actually their social media specialist, where I learned, I mean, I learned a lot of incredible stuff through that, through that experience. So to anyone who's possibly listening, even if you can't, you just graduated from college and you can't get a job in agriculture, if it's doing something that you still enjoy, do it because you'll still learn something from it. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, I was doing this job and I did it because, well, where my husband and I live, there's not a ton of job opportunities because I live an hour from every town. Mm-hmm. It takes me an hour to get anywhere. And that hour drive is a bear in the winter. Mm-hmm. And so I was talking with friends about this and they said, Kelly, I just don't understand why you don't do something you're passionate about. Like, just do it. Like, mm-hmm. once you get in there, yeah, it's going to be scary, but you're going to be able to do it once you get there. Right. And so, I mean, the money aspect of things is pro- was probably more terrifying to me than the actual health insurance. Mm-hmm. But once you have the mindset that you are going to accomplish goals, you, anyone can do this. Anyone. As long as you're hardworking and you never give up. Right. Kelly, I'm laughing out loud because we've joked forever that we live an hour from nowhere. <laughs> also, here in West Virginia. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's terrible. And like, everyone's like, Kelly, why do you need an SUV? You don't even have kids yet. And I'm like, I have to get out of my lane. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. I need to be able to get down the road for sure. Yeah, I think that's one of the well, the great and limiting things of, of rural life is just, you know, the isolation, but then also our ability to work from home is is virtually limitless. But like you said, you've got to build up, you know, you've got to build up a following, you've got to build up a business, and then you've got to manage the business. So you've got projects coming at the right times, but not, you know, overwhelming so that you can actually, you know, deliver on what you promised and that kind of thing. I'm curious how... Right how you, how you manage some of those projects, you know, so you have a steady income flow, but not get overwhelmed, you know, with, with too much at one time. So I am a list person and I, um, I'm not a put into my Google calendar or a lot of people like to use Trello, which is, um, have you two heard of Trello? Yep. I use it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And for some reason, I cannot get on board with that because (laughs) I still like to write out my list and cross those buggers off when I get them done. (laughs) You do it both ways. I think I'll Um, do it on Trello and then I'll also write it down. I like put it in multiple places. Yes, yes. And so that's how I stay on top of things. And I actually bought this really handy calendar off Amazon. It's... um, a weekly calendar where on each day I can put what I need to accomplish each day. So that's how I prevent myself from getting overwhelmed. When I first got started, I was really, I was overwhelming myself. I thought I had to get everything done within that day. When you're your own boss, your expectations of yourself are so much higher than when you work for someone else because you're like, this is all on my shoulders. I don't have a team to help me out or to say, Hey, can you do this for me? So I get this done. So, I bought this little notepad that has the weeks, the days of the week, and I just schedule out what I need to get done for that week and with their deadlines. I also bought a Erin um, Condren calendar. Yeah. And 
I fill that baby up with this. I buy different colored pens. Like I'm in middle school again. And every day has, you know, each different thing has a different color. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and I stay very organized mm-hmm. and aspect of the money wise, to be honest, I cheat. I married a banker. So <laughs> I work with him. We joke around and say he's my CFO because he does help me very much with the finances of my business. And so we eat at the beginning of each month, we'll talk about how much I brought in last month, how much I need to bring in this month, um, what I have coming in and what I need, you know, do I need to reach out to some editors? Do I need to reach out, find a new client? Um, and then we figure in, you know, am I already overwhelmed? Do I need to just have less come in this month so I can get more stuff done? And so, you know, I would really love to say, you guys, I'm just living the high life over here. Like the money's just rolling in and there's no worries, not a care in the world, but I can't um, mm-hmm. because yes, every month I, I do have to sit down and go over expenses and I do have to go over, you know, what I'm bringing in, what clients I'm working with, new ways that I can find new clients. And I know that both of you ladies know that deadlines are a very like we work on deadlines and I love that that is one thing that keeps me so organized but then also when you're tight on money <laughs> for one month you're like oh I you know I might be late for a deadline already if I haven't already reached out to an editor or I haven't reached out to you know a business I work with already so um, deadlines are helpful but then they're also I don't know they kind of they can be a conflict of interest, I guess you could say, because if you're like tight on money, you're like, I got to find another article to write or I got to do this. It's hard to, it's hard to really nail one down within one month's time. So you have to be really organized. And, mm-hmm. and I know both of you know about, you know, like Holly, you probably have the whole year already planned and deadlines assigned. And am I right? Or is that, we have a working calendar, you know, a, an editorial plan. And then we say plan with air quotes because that can change. <laughs> so for example, right. you know, we, we have our cover stories and our, you know, several stories deep each month planned out from now till next um, May, basically. Um, but if something happens, you know, that all the plan gets thrown out the window and we respond in different ways, which is kind of what we're doing for a July issue, you know, given the planting situation and Mm-hmm. Number of right. makers and all that. So we're, we're in the currently in the middle of throwing the plan out the window and, and, and <laughs> coming up with a new one. Right, I totally understand that, and and that's you know that's why um, I guess as a freelance writer you have to. It's kind of like you have to have a media kit already made up of what uh, publications you want to write for, the editors, who to contact, um, you know what their contact is and always be prepared and organized to be like okay well it's always in my head and i could be wrong you two please tell me your thoughts on this i'd rather have too much work than not enough Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. no i i i'm the same way i'd rather be everyone says you shouldn't be busy but i'd rather have work constantly working on than sitting there twiddling my thumbs and um, as a freelancer or as a consultant or owning your own business, you definitely learn time management as you go. And 
you know yourself better than anyone when it comes to time management. So if you're a morning person, get up in the morning and I'm a morning worker. Like all my best work I think is done in the morning. Some people they're a night owl. All their work comes best after mm -hmm. 10 PM. So I think just knowing yourself and knowing your boundaries as well, um, then you'll do your best work. But that takes time to learn yourself too in a new environment, such as owning your business or if you're new to freelancing, um, just figuring out what works best for yourself. Yeah, one of the things Wilson had told me, you know, way back when was that everybody has a peak time of day when they do their best writing. Mm -hmm. And so you should figure out when that is for you and then always write something every day at that time. It's like, even if it's just a letter or an email or a, you know, not necessarily a, a big story, but write something every day. So mm -hmm. you hone your skills at that, at that time that works for you. Mm -hmm. Right. And it, I mean, I just have, I'm, I'm kind of laughing to myself because Kelsey, you say you're a morning person and I'm sitting over here. I'm like, you know, I actually, it's like at six o'clock at night when I'm like, oh yeah, things are flowing. Things are good. You know, That's I'm at my, my brain shut off. <laughs> I'm at my computer at seven o'clock every morning, but it's at six o'clock where I'm like, okay, yeah, let's get yeah. creative music going now. Yeah. But so yeah. it's, it's so funny that that so many of us are different on mm -hmm. on um, when we're good. But Holly, that's I've never heard that before. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a really great tip and something really I mean just to think to myself to do every day. Make it right. Kelly and Holly, I want to talk about something that I think both of your perspectives would be good on. Um, people can start up a business, um, be freelancing, and have all the best skills in the world, but they can't use that until they're working for someone. And um, it can be scary to reach out to an editor or reach out to a new client and say, I have these services, please hire me. Maybe not like in that sort of way, but I'm kind of curious. <laughs> get both of your perspectives. Kelly, how do you reach out to a potential new client or someone that you want to write for? And then Holly, on your side, um, maybe how you get freelancers, how you search for them, or if someone comes your way, what, what advice would you tell a freelancer of how to handle those situations? So Kelly, if you want to start, go for it. Yeah, absolutely. So I did, when I first got started, I had no idea what I was doing. I literally would just send out an email to the editor, which I would find on the website and say, hi, my name is Kelly. And I think I can write pretty good. So yeah, you should hire me. <laughs> you know, like, obviously not like that, but it, you know, you look back, you're like, oh, that's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> but some people took a chance on me, which was great. And, um, but now as I grew my, you know, from 2012 till now, as I grew, I met a lot of people and actually the, um, through AAEA, we have a freelancer group and this is an amazing group, group of people that give incredible advice. And so I, you know, I, I said, I don't know what I'm doing. How do I do this? And I gathered all the information from multiple people and the test run on different scenarios that gave me to different editors and, what I do now and that has seemed to work well is I, I still go online. I still find the editor and, and get their email and I, I craft an email to send them in that I would include, you know, 
my name, a little bit of my background to let them know that I come from an agricultural background and include what I love to write about. And then I would also attach, so I have a website with a, my portfolio of other things I've written. So I put that in there and, at, you know, say, if you'd like to see examples of my work, please check out this link where it will take you to past articles that I've composed. And then I also include in there, and this was something that I think was the real, and Holly may have a different, Holly may be like, no, don't do that. So, but um, one thing I, I do is I include article ideas in, in the email saying, I've, you know, I've researched your publication and, you know, here are some ideas I have for articles that I think would be a great asset to this publication. And then I sign my name. You know, and I say, please let me know either way. I would love to hear from you. Uh, please let me know if you need anything else from me. So that, I mean, that's essentially how I go about uh, reaching out to publications. And the last few I've reached out to, it, it's actually worked really well. So, um, Holly, I'm, I'm interested to hear what you have to say. Yeah, I I wish I got more pitches, you know, from, from freelancers. And actually, especially... Um, you know, young freelancers like yourself who are trying to get started and, and get, you know, a toehold somewhere. Like, I would love that. Um, I think it's good that you offer an idea. I think it's key what you said about you've studied the publication <laughs> mm -hmm. and you know how, what we write and how, what kind of stories we cover. Um, I think for me, especially, what I would be looking for is someone who can cover something in another part of the state that I can't get to as easily where I am, um, you know, and, and maybe somebody that knows, hey, I, you know, I was just talking to this farmer and, you know, they're doing X, Y, and Z. And if you'd like, I could go get a photo and write it 500 words. I would jump on that in a heartbeat, <laughs> you know, especially okay. the topic, you know, that, that fits in with what we're covering and that kind of thing. But um, I think, I think that's a very good tactic to take. And then, like you said, you know, either attaching samples of your work in the past or, or a link, you know, to, to something that's been published online, that's, that's helpful too. And I would say the other big thing that I've run into more in the last couple of years is finding a freelancer who understands the difference between a feature story and a blog post. Like, <laughs> pausing for effect there because that's two different things and I think there are people who don't understand that um, mm -hmm. and if they don't understand that I'm, I'm not going to hire them <laughs> like we just can't we can't work together if we don't if we don't understand and and, and those are they're, they're both valuable things they're just different you know mm -hmm. I and I've even learned through the publications I write for is every publication has a and this is not a bad thing I don't want this to come off as negative but every publication has a different writing style not like AP writing style but just sure. a different way that they they like things or they like the flow of the article or the tone and so mm -hmm. I always think it's very important for freelancers to figure that out and take that very personally to figure that out so that they're writing to what that publication needs from them because if you can't do what they need you to do then they're not going to keep hiring you and right. so I just, I really thought of that when Holly said the feature story versus the blog. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it sounds like, oh, that'd be super simple to figure out, but it, it's not. Every, every publication has a different tone, a different way they want things to be literally composed throughout the entire thing. And 
it's you need to really work with your editor on that and make sure that you're you're meeting goals because mm-hmm. everyone can write but how they write is what makes them stand out right I was having a conversation the other day with a friend um, and we were talking about making connections, networking, and she potentially um, wants to work for this organization and she knows someone that knows someone um, there. <laughs> she, goes, she goes, I don't want to be pushy about making a connection. Um, and my thought was, is she's already connected with him on LinkedIn. Um, she goes, the timing has to be right for me to make that connection. I go, if he's in the area and you want to be connected with them, don't be afraid to reach out and say, Hey, can you personally connect me with this person? Cause what, one thing I've learned in this industry, it's all about networking. Maybe if it's not to do business someone right now, but it's good to have them in your circle, know who they are. So when they have a need and you can fulfill that need, I think it's important to make those connections, whether it's on LinkedIn, via email, don't be afraid to reach out, but don't be pushy then. But I think it's good to just make sure you're constantly putting your name out there, especially when you are a freelancer or working on your own business. Yeah, you can't be afraid to put yourself there. And if you wait the perfect time, never. you're gonna you're gonna be lost. There's there's never a perfect time. <laughs> wow, I need to take my own advice. <laughs> I was just thinking about that. Wow, Kelsey, you should take your own advice and just reach out to this person. <laughs> so yes, uh, like you have, don't be afraid of of what you're, you know, what you're doing, and and like you said with your mentor, like you 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 are absolutely capable of doing this, and you can, and and you need to believe people who tell you that because mm-hmm. no one wants to set you up to fail. Right. And so, don't be afraid to hear yeah. no. I think a lot of us are like, oh, I'm so scared they're going to tell me no. Well, if that might be the worst thing. They tell you no, not right now. And then you come back at them in a year and say, hey, I've grown. This is what I can pitch to you. Try again. I think people are so afraid of that word, me included, honestly. But <laughs> it all comes back to just trying and putting yourself out there. It's a scary thing to do, but I think it pays off. Kelly, I'm curious, um, from an editor's perspective, can you share, you know, maybe a good experience and a bad experience you've had, you know, in terms of pitching a story to an editor and working with them um, to see that come to fruition? I mean, is there anything we can learn from from your experiences? Right. Uh, So my, I guess a bad experience would be when I pitch a story, I pitch a story to an editor and just completely ignored me <laughs> like I and I had, I'd worked with them before it wasn't like I was a, a cold call pitch or anything like that um and it was they sent me their editorial calendar and um they said send us your ideas and we'll get you on the sketch on the calendar and nothing I resent it nothing and so as an editor, even if you hate my ideas, (laughs) send me an email back and say, I don't think any of these are going to work or those aren't really what we're looking for or give me some sort of constructive criticism to help um, instead of just completely ignoring it. Um, That was, that was probably the worst situation I've ever had. Uh, The best is when I pitch an idea to an editor and 
is when I, I send it and then they reply back with, okay, these are good. These are good. This one's not in what we're thinking. Um, and then they say, can you get, I love when they, when they're, when they say, do you have sources or do you need me to help you get sources? Mm-hmm. I don't know why it's such a sigh of relief when they're like, I will help you get sources because sometimes mm-hmm. we have ideas, but yeah. we don't know who to contact. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For and, sure. and I do like when I get the constructive criticism back when, okay, this isn't really what we're thinking. This isn't really what we kind of talk about in this publication. And a lot of, so my biggest issue when I pitch things is I think about things happening in the Midwest and I forget that there's a whole country I need to think about. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, okay, well, that's not really happening here and our audience is here. So it's always a good reminder. Oh, shoot. This is where their audience is. I need to think about things affecting them now. So um, pitching ideas, I guess I expect a lot out of my editors, which isn't fair, but since I have had such good experiences with many of my editors, I, <laughs> I, I feel like they're all going to be like that. And it's, it's always good that there's more good experiences than bad. I think you had a great point about knowing the publication's audience too, you know, and that's different. And, and obviously every publication, you know, we sit here in front progress and we, um, I write for a magazine that covers Illinois and Wallace's farmer covers Iowa. <laughs> and we do do some crossover, you know, some stories could appear in both places or we might, you know, tackle a national story as a team. Um, but those audiences can definitely be different. And that's, that's very important to know too. Right. And I write for progressive cattlemen every once in a while and theirs is their audience is mainly out West. And so when I was pitching ideas, they were like, well, that's not really a thing here. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, this is for something me because I, you know, like they don't really have fences or, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like things we have in Iowa that I was like, oh gosh, like, thank you for telling me that because I'm going to keep brainstorming ideas for the Midwest. And so it really put into perspective and was another thing for me to think about when thinking for what publications I want to write for and pitching to the editor for the first time about what I could, you know, story ideas. Kelly, do you do more <laughs> than just writing? I'm looking at your website. Um, it says social media, video, and photography. Is that, do you do like a blend of different communication services? Yeah, I do. Um, I do social media management, photography, um, marketing, every, everything that you listed. I do um, to help start my business. I wasn't able to have enough articles to produce enough articles to pay for all my, my expenses each month. Um, So I started diving into other areas of communication that I love. And they, like I said in the beginning, when people find out that you can help them with writing they flock to you. Yeah. <laughs> they, like, can you do this? They really do. This? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I, I was like, why would I limit myself to this writing if these, if others, you know, could use my, my help? And so that's exactly what I started to do. And I ventured into different areas. I feel like even with publications, everything is put on social media or websites mm-hmm. anymore. You know, there's so many different 
different areas of communication that even if you write an article, it's still everywhere else. So mm-hmm. um, I find, and Kelsey, you do multiple things as well, don't you? Right, correct. And that's what I'm kind of starting to lead on is I used to say I can do social media management, I can do photography, videography, and I've just this this year in 2019, I've started to say I do social media consulting and videography, and that's it because I've learned especially I I have a full-time job and my business is growing as well. I've just learned different things that I'm better at and that I find more joy in. And it's not that like if someone asks me, hey, can you take photos? I'm not going to say no, but I think the things that I advertise, um, I want to show people that I guess I specialize in. And then if I can't do something, recommend them to other freelancers that do things. That's kind of the route I've started to take because I don't want to overwhelm myself, I guess, either. But it, it honestly depends on the client. And I'm sure you're kind of like that in their needs as well. If they need photography, I'll be there. Um, but what I'm mostly pointing out there right now is the stuff that I'm passionate about. Right. Absolutely. And when you can narrow down mm-hmm. what you're really passionate about and what you really more of your client base is, and that helps a lot. Um, because I found, you know, even though I say photography on my website, but that kind of goes hand in hand with social media. Mm-hmm. So if I'm at an event doing, you know, if I'm managing your social media, I also have to take good pictures, Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and so I guess they kind of go hand in hand and just like with your videography, it's kind of, you know, it's the same thing. Right. And so, um, yeah, I feel like, you know, if you want to, if you really enjoy writing, fantastic, but don't be afraid to fill the gap. Right. With other things that you like to do. Well, I think in ag too, like, especially ag communications, we wear a lot of hats and um, I want people oh gosh, yeah. to realize that I can do a lot of things, um, but also spreading the love and um, making sure other people there know that there are other freelancers there as well. But I might, and I'm sure you have the same mantra: the client comes first, and what your needs are, and I can fulfill them. Um, whether it comes to writing, photography, social media all those good things, which leads into my next question, Kelly, how do you pivot as a business owner and communicator with all this emerging media trends? So one of the things that has been extremely beneficial to me is joining groups on Facebook. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but if you join these groups on Facebook that are other members in the agricultural communications world, Everyone thrives off one another. Everyone helps one another. And people ask questions about something new or they'll post something about something new. I also, so that is one of my favorite things because I love interacting with other people, asking them questions, um, you know, what others are using for for their industry news. And the other thing is, so for example, with social media, since I do a lot of social media, I sign up for newsletters from the social media examiner is what it's called. And I get, I think it's daily emails almost of new things coming, what to do, how to do this. And I also follow people such as Neil Patel and Gary Vandershock. I think that's his last name, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you know who I'm talking about? Yep. <laughs> Everyone calls him Gary V and I'm like, yes. oh gosh. <laughs> so I guess I really stay on top of everything by following mm-hmm. people who are 
even more immersed in Same. the industries. Same. And with with writing, I just follow other. I mean, I follow publications to see mm-hmm. what you know what they're writing about, what how they're writing, and and things such as that. Just staying and watching them and seeing what they're doing. It's like, how can I apply that to the industry I'm in? Um, and people are like, well, exactly. aren't you copying their content? I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm just seeing what their ideas are and then making them my own. Oh, right. Because some, you know, a lot of people have told me that there's so much content out there. Quit trying to reinvent the wheel. Right. Like if you see something cool, change it to fit your industry or your business and, and use it. You know, if it works, it works. Like mm-hmm. quit trying to make it harder than it needs to be. Right. I agree. Um, Kelly, I know we're winding down here. The hour always goes by so quickly. I always look at the clock and think, dang it, <laughs> another hour flew through and I have so much to ask, but <laughs> two more questions. One being, um, what is the advice you would give to others looking to build their own business, whether they're a young professional or whether they're in their fifties and they're looking for a career change? My advice would be to figure out what you love to do figure out what you what you absolutely would not regret doing the rest of your life. And being a freelancer is really taking a chance on yourself mm-hmm. and believing that you can do this and push through this. Don't let money be a hindrance because you will get there. Yeah, things will be tight for a little while, but you will get there. And to just and find a mentor, find somebody who can lift you up, somebody who you can talk with, find another freelancer, find somebody that you can say, oh my gosh, like what is happening? Like, I don't know what to do here because they've been through it. So find something you love. Don't be afraid and find a mentor to help push you. That would be my advice. And just do it. (laughs) Nike has been on to something with that tagline. I think (laughs) just do it. If you fail, Go to your plan B. I know a lot of freelancers say they don't have a plan B. It's always been plan A. Well, then you'll figure it out. That's something you want to do for the rest of your life. Just go for it. Yeah. So, um, Kelly, last question I have for you. Where can people find you online? Follow on Instagram. Do you have a portfolio? Give us where people can reach at. Well, absolutely all of it. So I have a website at www.roanmarketing.com and Roan is R-O-A-N and yes, that is the color of cattle and horses. And (laughs) And you'll have to check out my website to figure out why that's my business name. And you can also find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest. Um, And my tag is Roan Marketing. Awesome. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your advice about building up your own business. I know from my own experience, it's, it's a journey and I appreciate you sharing yours because it gives others hope that they can do it as well. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much, Kelsey. I appreciate you asking and I love being here today. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the AdCom Network podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, and now Spotify. Just search the AdCom Network podcast. Until next time, thanks so much for hanging out with me. This has been an Ag Communicators Network podcast. Thanks for listening. And please visit us online at agcomnetwork.com for more great content.